This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College. Hello, this is The Summit Show. I'm your host, Caitlin Hashem. I've been doing radio now for a really long time, like eight years. Um, I'm not that old either. I started when I was young. I am 34, but I started when I was really young, um, maybe 10 years now. Goodness, I have been here for a while. Greg, the engineer, has been my only engineer I've ever had, and he's sitting here staring at me. He knows probably more than I do how long I've been doing this, but I took a break for a while, and I am a graduate and a minister. I'm the vice president of Community Networks at Summit Bible College. That is who is sponsoring this show, and I have a dear friend of ours, of mine as well, Dr. Randy Bunch in the studio. Hello. Hello. It's so good to be here. <laughs> Last week's conversation was wild. Yeah. This is the second broadcast. We had no idea what we were talking about. We right. didn't even establish a topic because I just know you so well. We've known each other for a while now. You came as a professor. Well, you came as a student and professor at the Mm -hmm. same time. How many years ago? 2015, September of 2015. So yeah. Yeah. So I was introduced to you and then brought you on as a professor. And then you later started working with summit. Right. Um, and also earned your doctorate degree. That's right. Yeah. So I feel like we've known each other for a while because we've also done a lot of stuff together. Yeah. We've done the radio together countless times. Yes, many times. So I just wanted it to be a surprise. I was like, let's have it be a surprise today. <laughs> Literally, we have zero script. Yeah. And I know we can always fall on apologetics because that's one of your expert areas of focus. You've written several books. You wrote one book called The Gospel's Saving Power. That's correct. Yeah. Amazing well, book. Thank you. And such an easy read, too, yeah, you know? Yeah. And you also have done devotionals, and um, you do ministry through your social media platforms as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So. We, we, it's just amazing. I, I prayed, you know, coming into my 50s, Caitlin, I, I asked the Lord to make my 50s my most fruitful decade. And when I prayed that prayer, at first it was just a thought, but then I really t- tangibly prayed that. And God really answered that prayer. And I've done more in my 50s probably than I have in my other ministry years put together in a way. Um, you know, we published several books, like you said, a couple of devotional books. Um, my book, The Gospel Saving Power, was published just as I was coming into my 50s. And then the little book on tongues that I wrote years ago, and then we kind of formally published it officially. And even here at the local Christian bookstore, they can't keep the thing in the store. People come and buy it, copy after copy of it. I, I, I'm always thinking, but my devotional books are so good, and they, they just <laughs> sit there, and this little book on tongues just flies off the shelf. But anyway, in addition to that, of course, we do a lot of broadcasting. My son and I do a podcast every Wednesday night on Facebook. Also goes on YouTube and broadcast from there. But then we have our television broadcast, which goes into 182 nations of the world. Uh, our biggest monthly viewership once was 11 million. We had 575 saved that month which is crazy. And so what's amazing about it is that in, if I put all my years of ministry together before the broadcast, I probably have gotten more people saved in one or two months than I have all the years prior put together through the access of the internet and television and all that kind of thing. And so many other things we've had the privilege of doing. Teaching at Summit, of course, is part of that. And uh, serving now as a hospice chaplain at one of our local nonprofit um, uh, hospices, which is a wonderful, wonderful environment in which to work. So yeah, uh, we've just stayed. And plus we oversee a couple of churches, so, you know, both relatively small, but um, 
yeah, we're staying busy. <laughs> you always say we. It's really funny. It's really funny when you say that because I'm always yeah. <laughs> every yeah. time you say that I'm always think, <laughs> I'm always thinking like you and the Holy Spirit or you yeah. and Jesus. Like I don't I know where you, you know where that came from. Is my spiritual father <laughs> used to say that he say last time we were here we said. And I picked that up, but I've never lost it in yeah, yeah nearly thirty years. He's talking about him. Yeah. He's talking about himself, Jesus, yeah. the Holy Spirit, and I'm just the Father. Schizophrenic. It's me and my other personality. <laughs> <laughs> hey, a lot of women can identify with you on that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get in trouble. Especially PMSing time, huh? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is hilarious. Yeah, so you're a fruitful man. You are active, and you don't stop. Um, last broadcast, we talked about how to get back in the saddle. I love that expression. You say some amazing one-liners. I need to get... If I had a tattoo for every single one of your one-liners, I would be covered <laughs> in tattoos. Covered. You wouldn't even be able to see my eyebrows. I would be covered. You, you talked about last broadcast how you got in a car accident and it was very traumatizing i brought yep. it up because i just know that when i heard the news about you getting on a in a head-on collision i man watch out talk about run into the roar i yeah. ran into the throne room for you and a lot of people were praying Bruce for you yeah. but i'm like uh-uh nothing's happening to my buddy <laughs> um but you got hurt you know you got wounded and yeah um the other person died on impact and we shared a lot about that last broadcast. So if you're just listening to this broadcast on radio right now, I want you to know that the summit show, which is what you're listening to is available on all major podcasts. So it's on iTunes, it's on Google, it's on Spotify. So you can refer back to the show that you missed. It's really good about really facing the traumas and the anxieties and fears that you may be debilitated by. Um, you talked about how you knew inside your heart that you needed to get back in the car right away and start driving again right. um, because it could easily have become a serious source of PTSD for you, yep. post-traumatic stress, right? Um, and it just made me think, you know, I think a lot of this show is probably going to be focused on the same thing because I see people and even myself over the years, you know, we've all been through stuff, right? Everybody. Right. You see some people who don't demonstrate the resilience to face it, to face the fear. And they just let themselves become a prisoner of it. They let themselves, um, become basically get in bondage to it Right. and bondage. You know, I think that there's, there is something to say about struggling versus bondage because we can be struggling with something, a a fear, right? Right. But just because we have a fear doesn't mean we're in bondage to it. And we need to understand that in our conversation today is you may be going through something. Maybe you got, um, cancer and you went through treatment and you got cleared from your doctor, right? Right. Right. The chemo worked or maybe God supernaturally healed you, which I believe that he does that. He can do that. He's still in the business of healing. Maybe you got cleared from your doctor and you're dealing with the fear and the trauma that associated with having cancer. There's a lot of people that go through illnesses and then they still feel like they're living under, you know, the, the, um, the trauma of that. I, I think that, that's normal. You yeah. know what I mean? To an extent, like you have to heal from the trauma. Sure. But I think that if it's affecting your everyday life, right. if you're dealing with a fear that is so debilitating you, that it's paralyzing you, yeah. that you're not acting like yourself, that you're right. not seeing things clearly, that you're acting irrationally, that's when it's become a bondage. And right. I think the purpose of the conversation last week is like, don't let yourself get in, under bondage. Exactly. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, we have the choice. You know, one thing people don't like to hear, and it sounds hard, but again, you're listening to two people who have been through trauma in, in many different ways. And so we're not saying this insensitive to the fact that you may have gone through something absolutely heart-wrenching or very debilitating or very difficult. You know, um, we all have friends who have lost a child. I can't imagine that level of pain. But but we do have to come to terms with, and, and we see this happen where two people will face similar situations and circumstances and yet come out of it completely differently. One of the things I tell people all the time, our perceptions rule us. Our perceptions become the reality that we live in. And I use this example. You could have somebody that is attractive, intelligent, and engaging, and yet they go through their whole life staring at their shoes because they've been told they're ugly, unattractive, and have nothing to contribute. Our perceptions rule us. I had an experience, Caitlin, when I was pastoring my first church. This I've told this story. I should pay royalties on this story. I've, I've told it so many times. But I had a man in my church in my first congregation. I was in my 20s at the time. This guy was wonderful. I won't say his name, but he was a wonderful guy. When he served in our church as an usher, he was there all the time. He was present. He was always diligent. He was a mechanic. He took care of my car free of charge. He just wanted to do that for his pastor. I'd get it back, and the engine looked like it rolled off the showroom floor. There wasn't a smidgen of grease on that engine. He'd lift the hood to show me, and that was just from changing my oil. But then he would go through episodes where he would suddenly be gone from the church for weeks at a time. My guess is back then we called it manic depressive. Now they call it bipolar. My guess is he might have had a condition like that. My business administrator thought so because he had known people like that in very similar, you know, you're either up or you're not up. Wow. And and so we think that might have been what it was, but he never would open up. And when I would ask his wife, how's so-and-so? Oh, he's fine. You know, it was just kind of this avoidance thing. We didn't want to press, you know. And, and so anyway, one day he was back and ushering and he was on you know he was back on his positive and he said um he i remember he raised his hand at the back he was ushering that day and you know our ushers would wear back then everybody wore suits and we had little usher badges and everything like that he said pastor can i share a testimony he said i had a dream last night he said in this dream i was behind these prison bars and the devil was on the other side of them and he was laughing at me mocking me and the more he laughed and the more he mocked, the more my heart just felt you know, drained of hope and just you know, depressed and all the things you would imagine with the devil looking at you through a pair of, you know, through, through the bars, as it were. And he said, I'm holding onto those bars imprisoned, as it were, you know. He said, and, and about the time I reached my low point, I hear a voice behind me call my name. He said, I turned around and all of a sudden I realized I turned around and there's a wide open green field. And in that green field behind me, Jesus had called my name and had his arms extended to me. And I looked back and I realized it was the devil behind the bars. And he was just looking the wrong direction. And because of the because of his perception, he perceived himself in prison when he was in a wide open field with the, the author of liberty calling his name and beckoning him to step away from those prison doors because he didn't belong there. And and I say that, again, it's easy to you know give these platitudes and these very trite sounding things and say, well, just be free, brother. You're free in Christ. But the reality is we are free in Christ. That's what redemption was. Jesus bore our sin that we might be free of sin. Uh, Jesus bore our shame that we might be free of shame. Jesus bore our guilt that we might be free of guilt. Jesus experienced the terror of the garden where his sweat was like drops of blood so that we could be free of anxiety. The Bible said the chastisement of our peace 
was upon him so we could be reconciled to God, have peace with God, which is the foundation for peace in every other area of life. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If God before you, who can be against you, right? So our perceptions matter dramatically. So one, I shared the last broadcast about the power of praise, and I found out that that's what praise does. It's the shortcut to a writing or a realigning your perceptions. Because when we praise, we're not looking at the prison bars. We're turning around and we're looking at Jesus. And that's really what praise does is it magnifies God. It magnifies his faithfulness, his promises. And the more we do that, the more we just be, begin to feel bigger and bigger. It makes our God bigger and bigger. And it makes the devil smaller and smaller. I cannot tell you how many prisons I have walked out of shaking the chains loose just through praise. And and I say that because to me it is a valuable weapon that not enough people in the church utilize. And I'm not against counselors. I'm not against life coaches. I'm not against these things. But there are spiritual weapons that are not carnal, that are not of this world, that we are called upon by God to employ to experience spiritual liberty. You cannot arrive at spiritual liberty through natural means. You have to use spiritual tools to achieve spiritual liberty. And so I just want to give that to whoever might be listening and saying, I'm struggling with my perception. I see everything is dark. I see everything is hopeless. We are just simply looking in the wrong direction. And so what you've got to do is turn around and look to the one who has freed you, like just like my church member did, and begin to magnify him. Get your focus realigned. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That was absolutely so powerful. And I was actually thinking about the verse that you just mentioned. You said the weapons of our warfare... Mm-hmm are mighty to cast down strongholds right. and it's really i think it's second corinthians 10 5 2nd corinthians 10 3 through 5 so it talks about in verse 3 it says we are human but we don't wage war as humans do we use god's mighty weapons not worldly weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy far- false arguments we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing god we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey christ um, you know, I'm not the craziest about that translation. I feel like it's a lot better in the New King James Version because it talks about how the weapons of our warfare, they're not something that we muster up from intellect or something that right. we use, um, you know, just based on knowledge that we may have within our own human wisdom. Right. We use weapons that are truly dynamic because mm-hmm. when we praise God, you talk about the weapon of praise, we praise God and it says in scripture that he inhabits the praises of his people. So That's when right. we praise him, he is riding on that praise. Like think of it as if you are blowing bubbles or something and just imagine, you know, God riding on those bubbles. Like you're blowing the bubbles, you're singing the praise and God rides on that. And it's so powerful because it's not our own strength. It's it's really opening up our mouth and speaking the truth of God. And so I really liked what you said about how this man was in prison and he looked through the, the, the bars and he was looking at the devil and the devil was mocking him. But when he turned around, he recognized that it was really the devil who was in prison because he turned around and there was a wide open space behind him and Jesus was standing there. And so much of the time we literally think we are in bondage. Like you said, it was so good because we're talking about bondage. Yeah. You you said that we are free in Christ. Yeah. We are free in Christ. Yeah. It's That is truth. If we think That's anything right. else, we're under deception. That's and deception right. is a tool of the devil. The yeah. devil wants to deceive us. That's right. And I remember going through, when I went through the depression after my first was born, I had this dream and I feel like kind of 
similar to what you just said. Yeah. I've told this story yeah. a thousand times, but I had this dream and I looked into the mirror and my eyes were completely black mm. and I woke up from that dream. Well, in the dream, I started talking to myself in the mirror and my eyes were black. And I said, in the name of Jesus, get out in the name of Jesus, get out spirit of deception. And I was talking to myself yeah. in the dream, right. into the mirror, yeah. looking at the demonic force that was coming over my eyes, making my eyes black. My entire pupil, everything was black. And I woke up sitting in the bed with my, my hand pointed out saying in the name of Jesus, spirit of deception, leave. And I was casting that devil out of my mind, out of my eyes, out of my perspective. He had so blinded me that I wasn't seeing clearly. And that's what happens when people struggle with depression. Depression is a very chemical thing. It's a very real thing. There are hormonal imbalances that take place in people's bodies, especially a woman's body is so vulnerable after having a child. But I will tell you what, when the enemy sees opportunity, he will try to come against us when we're vulnerable. And that's where it becomes spiritual. It becomes spiritual because he knows that he has an opportunity to deceive us because we're so low. We're in such a low place. But here's what the Lord told me. He told me, even in the midst of my darkest moments when I was depressed, he said, my word still works. He said... He gave me three things. He said he he highlighted three attributes to me. He highlighted pride, rebellion, and bitterness. And when he highlighted pride, he said, "Humble yourself hmm. under the mighty hand of God, yeah. and I will exalt you." And yeah. he said, "For your pride, humble yourself. Yeah. For pride, yield to humility." He kept saying that to me over and over again. He kept saying, yield to my humility, right? Right. Then when it came to rebelliousness, he showed me a spirit of rebelliousness. He highlighted in scripture that rebelliousness is a sin of witchcraft. And he said, where I submit to God, he, he said that when I submit to God, um, that I'm resisting the power of the enemy over my life, that when I submit to God, that deception is breaking off of me when I submit to him. And then he told me about um, bitterness. He said, he told me, forgive. He kept telling me, forgive. Mm. So I used those three tools, forgiveness, submission, and humility. And he said, no matter what you're going through, no matter how much darkness is against you, those are three principles in my word that work. Yeah. My word yeah. works. Yeah. When you rebel against me, you are inviting That's right. the spirit of the demonic into your life. Because you know what? Let's be real. When we're going through a hard time, yep. when we're messed up mentally and when we can't see things clearly, a lot of the time we want to rebel against God. Yeah. Not even just necessarily denying Christ. Right. I didn't want to deny Christ, right. but my actions wanted to yeah. deny Christ. Yeah. It was the first time in my life, my entire life. And I lived a history without Christ before. I didn't come to Christ until I was 19 years old. It was the first time in my life that I realized why people become alcoholics. When I was depressed. I said, mm. I understand why people chug a bottle of liquor. Mm. I understand why people put themselves to sleep with pills. I finally understood why people did it because I was in such turmoil. I was yeah. in such turmoil that yeah. I understood why people yeah. get, are so broken. Yeah. 
And he just kept saying, submit to me, submit to me, submit yeah. to me. And it was so hard because I couldn't understand why, why I fought to have a baby for so long. It took me three years to have my first child. Why would it take me so long to have my child? And, and, and then why, why would I live in this place of total despair wanting to die after yeah. I've just received the greatest gift right. that I could ever imagine? Sure. And it was a hor- horrible place to be. But I'm telling you, the reason why I'm bringing up those three attributes in the word of God to you today is that no matter what it is that you're going through, the word still works. That's right. If you humble yourself yeah. before God, he will exalt you. If you submit to him, he will come through. The devil will flee. That's right. Submit to God. Yeah. Resist. It says it right before that scripture. Yeah. It says, therefore, yeah. submit to God. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Yeah. It says it right before that. And yeah. so often we just use the part that says resist right. the devil and he will flee. Yeah. But we forget that right before that That's it right. says submit therefore to God. Yeah. Resist the devil and he will flee. And then bitterness. Bitterness is the very thing. <laughs> what do you have to say about bitterness? Because I feel like for me, bitterness is like it it literally blinds people so, oh, yeah. so much. And it, it chokes the life out of people. And it's the very... The gift that Christ gives us is forgiveness. And we get attacked, I think, as people on the area, the front of forgiveness more than anything else. But in reality, it's what we've been given to by Christ. Bitterness, oftentimes, the people will use bitterness to justify unforgiveness. This person hurt me. I'm bitter about that. So it's okay for me to hold this against them. And really, all we're doing is hurting ourselves. One of the things, it's funny because I was going to say this. I said, really, what you're saying is the submit to God part of that verse, James 4, 7. Because that's exactly what what it is you cannot resist one to whom you're submitting and a lot of people think submitting to the devil is submitting to some overtly evil temptation submitting the devil is simply believing his lies if you believe what the devil is saying and just you know roll over and let the devil steamroll over you with his lies you are in essence submitting to when when Jesus was in the mount of transfigure I'm sorry the mount of temptation and the devil said hey if you're the son of god uh turn these stones into bread um that if Jesus had succumbed to that pressure to like validate that he's the son of God by doing, he would have been submitting to the enemy. And so in G- instead, Jesus resists him how with the word he and said, with submitting is to written. God. Yeah, that's right. That he submitted to God, and and really any time you know so re- resisting the devil is not the same as rebuking the devil. That's a verbal you know thing, but resisting the devil just is a, is a it's an a, it's an a, What's the word I'm position looking for? Position of heart. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah, it's a stance of heart. It's a position. It's like an it, offensive position. And it's literally like digging your heels into the ground and saying, No, I'm or not gonna defensive. be pushed backward. Yeah. yeah. And so sometimes resisting the devil is just simply saying, No, devil, I'm not gonna think that. No, I'm not gonna yield to that. No, I'm not gonna believe that. That's resisting the devil. And if we resist him, he will flee. So our the the fact that we can say no to him, the Bible says give neither give place to the devil. That's evidence of the fact that we don't have to. Right, it's interesting. There's four four times in the scripture in the New Testament where it talks about our relationship with the devil. In every case, it's us taking action. For example, Jesus said, "In my name, they'll cast out demons." Then in Ephesians four um, uh, twenty seven, it says, um, "Neither give place to the devil." And then, of course, we know in First Peter five, it says, um, "You know, uh, um, what is it? I'm I'm losing. But resist the devil." Um, and it it's talks the humble. About, it's the humble. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and so, it, it, if you each, humble yourself before God, He will exalt you. Is it that one? Well, it's in the first, first Peter. Peter let me just read it. I mean, First Peter, chapter five. I don't know why I can't seem to quote this one right off the top of my head right now, but 
as you're um, looking that up, though, you're kind of pointing. Yeah, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. In each case, and then, of course, there's James 4, what 7. What was that one? Five? Yeah, that's First Peter 5, 8, and 9. Wow. And so in each case, we're told to take action. It is absolutely useless for you to say, God, get the devil off my back. It is our responsibility to take authority over him because Jesus delegated that authority to us. We're authorized agents of heaven to take the authority given to us in his name to exercise dominion over the devil where our lives are concerned. And we can do that. We have to do that. And the way we do that is, first and foremost, by submitting to God, submitting to his truth, and living the reality of the perception that he gives us, that biblical worldview, if you will, that we're to see through the lens of scripture, see through the lens of reality, and not the alternate narrative that the devil is trying to portray. And this is something that Christians deal with all the time. Just like there's laws of gravity, there's laws yes. of the spirit. That's right. In the spiritual realm, there there are laws. Yeah. What you reap, you right. will sow. Absolutely. And, you know, we think about cause and effect so much. When we were talking about scripture right now and all these scriptures that you talked about, First Peter 5, 8 and 9, yeah. James 4, 7, these scriptures that we're talking about in regard to our position with spiritual warfare, you yeah. know, that there are actions that we are called to actually take in scripture. And the thing about it is that the scripture is the law. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the law of freedom right. because it's the new covenant, right. but it's the law, which means that if we practice what the scripture says, if we resist the devil, what is the byproduct of that? What is the response? He will flee. Yeah, that right. is a law. That that's is right. something that we can bank on. We that's can, right. we can trust yeah. that. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we forget that we could trust the word and yeah. we forget that there's power in the word because sometimes we think when we're in such a messed up place, especially psychologically, or we're dealing with anxiety, it's like we think that the rules don't apply to us or something. Right, right. We really literally think that the rules don't apply yeah. or that the law doesn't apply yeah. or that the spirit doesn't apply. Right. But the word of God always works. And yeah. that's what I believe that he's reminding me of today in this conversation is that no matter what it is that you feel, even if you feel like crap or you feel yeah. nothing, maybe yeah. you don't have any faith. You feel like you don't have any faith. Stop being so feeling oriented and that's understand right. like that's not how you win wars. You don't that's win right. wars by feeling a certain Absolutely. way. You don't have to feel anything That's to right. win a war. Yeah. Just trust in the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. He you can trust that his yeah. word is true. Yeah, you can trust that you can trust that when you praise him, he will inhabit the praise. Yep. You can trust it because his word says it. So I guarantee that if you're in a hospital room and you see your kid hooked up to a machine, that if like I did, like Kinsley was last year when she was born, five weeks after she was born, and the doctors are like, she's been on oxygen for four days. And I just said, you know what? I don't really care what the doctors say. I'm going to praise God. And what happened? She got off oxygen the next day. Praise she made God. a turnaround. The spirit of God cleared out the defeat out of that room Amen. because his law and his truth is real. When we praise him, he inhabits the praise of his That's people. Right. Amen. And so thank you, Jesus, for that. And Thanks I pray that that encourages you today. Amen. We have one minute left. And I have to say, this is probably like one of my favorite shows i just love you you're so exciting <laughs> last time i had you on the show was a few months back and you were only on for 30 minutes i got you in really quick and i was like i'm never only getting him on for 30 minutes like what was i thinking but i seriously love you i'm so 
we are so blessed. You have gotten the Professor of the Year Award every single year since 2015. <laughs> no, you you have gotten it a couple times though. My pastor, Pastor Tom Naki, got it one year too. Yep. You guys have been contending contending for it. You no. But you are such an excellent professor. Well, thank you. you are seriously such a blessing. If you are interested in what he has to offer, he teaches at Summit Bible College. Look us up at summitbiblecollege.com. He's teaching communicating the word of God right now. I think I'm talking just about as fast as he talks. <laughs> Man, he talks so fast. The students have to re-listen to his videos. There you go. You've gotten better though. You used to talk so I fast. I, I, have I laid back a little you bit? You laid back a little bit, but yeah. the students still have to rewatch your lectures. <laughs> but hey, it was a pleasure being well, with you. Thank you. Maybe it's one last word. One last word. You might have 30 seconds. Yeah, listen, again, you know, the victory that Christ has secured for us belongs to us. And the devil's not going to let you know that. You have to know that from the word of God. You have to know that from listening to feeding on good things like this. So take your stand. Claim your victory. It belongs to you. Christ secured it for you through his death, burial, and resurrection to enjoy the liberty he provided for you. God bless you. If you want to follow Dr. Randy Bunch, you can find him on social media. You can look at him on Amazon. His books are all there. Dr. Randy Bunch. Dr. Lane. Randy Lane Bunch. Randy Lane Bunch. Uh, get his books. They're good. We love you. Tune into the Summit Show next week. This broadcast is sponsored by Summit Bible College.